Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchak, James Kernan, and Carl Polichuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Are you still relying on a frustrating patchwork of legacy solutions? Modernize your cybersecurity and data protection with a Cronus CyberProtect Cloud. It's a single solution that combines backup, anti-malware, and endpoint protection management. As an MSP, you can easily improve clients' security posture, eliminate complexity, and generate more recurring revenue. Learn more about Acronis CyberProtect Cloud at acronis.com. Hi, this is Carl. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. I'm joined today by Brett Jaffe, uh, who I, I actually don't know how long I've known you, but it's approximately forever. And uh, Brett uh, built and sold three companies, including a managed service business, a cloud reseller, and a digital forensics business. Uh, He's also led hundreds of soldiers as an officer in the U.S. Army and built an international channel program uh, from its inception to over $30 million in revenue. He's an accomplished speaker, consultant, and advisor, and he is a former EOS implementer who is now doing his own brand of business coaching. So with that, welcome, Brett Jaffe. How are you? Thanks, Carl. I appreciate you having me on today. Sure. What did I miss? What, what's not on the list? Oh, uh, full contact origami champion. Oh, there you that, go. That never seems to make it. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> not sure if you're a Doctor Who fan, but I have started started putting galactic ticket inspector on all of the uh, uh, <laughs> applications for what my job title is. So, so far it hasn't shown up on a name tag, but give me time. So channel pro tends to print whatever I give them. So maybe I'll, I'll have a name tag with that on it soon. So uh, let's start by giving your website. So it's connectstrat.com. That is correct. There, people will find you, but they'll also find other people. So tell us about what is ConnectStrat and uh, what do you do? Yeah, so ConnectStrat are essentially a series of industry veterans who have come together and put together a coaching and consulting firm for uh, IT service providers. So we've all been MSPs at some level, um, ranging from 5 million to 50 million. Um, So we have some great coaches that are there. Uh, several of us have been involved on the vendor side. Um, two of us are actually active CEOs of uh, SaaS companies as well. And we have a host of other coaches who are joining us um, almost weekly. We're going to be starting adding additional coaches to our portfolio. Uh, we're very unique in the way that we operate in that most firms, you work with one specific coach. And we do the same thing. We actually work individually with our clients but we do draw on the resources of other coaches to come in when there's topics that they have a special field or a special expertise in. Uh, We do disc training, Colby certification. Uh, We're kind of across the board. Uh, We do specialize in the MSP community. It's something that's very dear to us. We've all been in that space. Uh, What do they say? They've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Continue (laughs) to get the t-shirts. It's half my wardrobe, I think. Got 10,000 (laughs) t-shirts. I actually remember the day that 
my uh, my wife and daughter told me, you may not bring home any more t-shirts. At first it was, don't bring home any white t-shirts because that was that was the cheap giveaway. And then it was, just don't bring home anything. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, now it's socks, so we're good with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually socks are pretty cool. Um, so with the, the this variety of coaches, do any of you work in an actual office or are you all working remote, whether that's COVID question or not? I don't know. Um, no, that was actually pre-COVID. And I think it's because we're kind of spread across um, the U.S., uh, now the U.K. and also Australia. So we're, we have global uh, entities now. But no, we have, um, personally, I live in New Hampshire. I say Boston because it's easier. I'm about an hour from Boston. Um, one of our coaches, uh, Jameson, lives in Las Vegas. Another one lives in Texas. Um, we have coaches in Seattle. So we're kind of all over the U.S. Uh, we have a couple coaches coming on from the U.K. And also, um, like I mentioned, um, our friends down under, we have a few people coming on on that side as well. So it's been really interesting being able to have this level of impact uh, without having an office. Uh, it right. is nice to have something if you want to invite people and get them out of their office, but you know, travel, it's tough. You know, if we're working with a client across the country, we're asking them to commit two days to just travel time. Um, and we want people to focus on the MSP. You know, take a day, get out of the office, um, but really spend most of the time focusing and less time traveling. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I was talking to a coach uh, that I work with uh, recently, and he was saying, you know, I really am pushing people to not bring me on site just because there is that all that extra travel. And, you know, then you get there and they want to be on their laptop checking email. It's like, no, like, stop it. <laughs> but you do a thing where you, you stay home and you send them off site. It, you know, it really depends. Um, it's moved ever since, you know, pre COVID, I was probably on site for the majority of my meetings. Uh, I, there is something special about being face to face, right? Uh, we can make people put their laptops away or just shame them in front of their peers, but it's also nice to get them out of the office. So a lot of times we'll meet at a hotel. We had one client that met at a, a conference room in an indoor skydiving place and they did a skydiving activity with the team afterwards. Nice. So you can get people out and do some team building at the same time, which is great. But one of the challenges with, at first when everyone's going remote is that you're either face-to-face -face just talking, but sometimes when you're just talking, you could see if people are disengaged. Uh, you could always see them looking at other screens and checking emails. And so the way we got around that is to stop doing anything that's screen sharing. There's no need to screen share anymore. So everything that we do is interactive. Um, if you've ever used a Google Jamboard, for example, I mean, you could broadcast that. So what you show on your screen will show on someone else's screen. But to go a step further, what if that other person could actually uh, contribute, throw down sticky notes, uh, move things around, rank things, vote on certain things? So the tools that we use are very interactive like that. Everyone's looking at their own screen. They're able to contribute in real time on their screen. Whatever they do shows up on someone else. You could actually see their mouse and cursor moving around. And we found that we could run really, really engaging meetings, even if people are dispersed by having some kind of collaborative tool. Uh, and that's the biggest difference, right? We're moving from just as one-sided, like here's a Zoom meeting, look at my screen, to something a lot more collaborative. So the Zoom meeting or the Teams meeting stays up. We could have the face-to-face -face conversation, but everyone's able to contribute actively. 
right? And you have uh, some clients who actually their businesses are also completely virtual. So they might have a, a large client, I mean, a large uh, personnel base, uh, but they, don't, they haven't gone to their office in a year either. Yeah, in fact, my, one of my larger clients is 800 employees. They were based in New York City, uh, but they're global. They have places in Vancouver and Toronto, overseas, uh, but the majority of the people were in New York City, and they used to run out of a co-working space there. Uh, once COVID hit and New York City really came to a halt, they started working from home um, and even got to the point that the CEO moved to Miami. And so the last meeting that we had, he was in his condo in Miami at the same time that the new CEO that they hired because he was stepping out into a board position, the new CEO was in upper state New York. Um, there were two people in the co-working space, someone from Toronto, there was people all over the map. And it's been really kind of cool watching how they've been able to control the dynamic of remote employees with a level of accountability and that interaction that you sometimes miss when you're remote. They, they've, made, they've done a great job at continuing the culture of the company. Um, you know, it's interesting. I would say maybe five years ago, there were people who looked down their noses at people who worked from home. And, you know, even though some of us, like my home office, kicks ass, right? <laughs> uh, yours probably does too. Um, you know, I got more equipment in here than most people have in their downtown office. Um, but now I think partly because of COVID, but just in general, I think we deal with vendors who are all over the world. And so they generally don't have people go to three or four offices. They have them work from home. Uh, and we have clients who are, you know, running virtual offices. And so it's just, like I say, in the last five years, it seems to have dramatically shifted to where it's, it's not a big deal if you work from home anymore. No, there's a stigma at some larger companies that um, if you're entirely working from home, it's very hard to move up the chain and the ladder. There's a lot of politics to get involved there. However, in the size companies that we're working in, you don't see that as much. So, uh, you know, you're getting promoted based on skill set. And I'm sure that still happens quite a bit. So there is there's a value if you want to work yourself up in a corporate environment to being physically in the office where the leadership team is. However, as an MSP, we're working with other clients. The clients are kind of everywhere. Um, I like the hybrid type model. I don't think that we're ever going back to, you have to be full in the office all the time, but I'm not sure that if the potential is there, that the work from home is going to work out the same way. I think you miss out on some of the collaborative components. So I do see us moving toward this hybrid approach. Um, and I see a lot of people being a lot more flexible with, hey, I'd like you in three days a week. The other two days you can work from home. And that way there's at least this three-day block where the team is there to collaborate. Right. Uh, my daughter recently shifted from one job to another, both of them doing loan processing. And in the old job, they had everybody remote. And then they were like, okay, now everybody come back. And she was like, uh, I want to come back one day a week, but I'm more productive at home because I don't have people interrupting me because she was one of the more skilled laborers, you know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, she was the de facto trainer for everybody else and that's fine for them, but it cuts into her revenue, right? So she gave him pushback on that. On her new job, everybody's remote, but they make a point to connect on Zoom on a regular basis. And I think the, uh, the, the, 
great tools we have today make it possible to work from anywhere and really still maintain some of that culture that we always worried would kind of disappear in a remote environment. I mean, I mean, listen, the pandemic forced us to make some hard decisions. Um, there are a lot of people that work from home, even if it wasn't by choice, because their kids were too young to be left alone and the schools weren't running anything or they were running some strange hybrid format. And so there's a lot of parents that really didn't have the option but to work from home. And when the kids start going back full time, I think there was a bit more flexibility to go into an office. But uh, it does. It takes. It does, it's a certain type of job. Not all jobs are going to be able to be done remote. Uh, there's a certain level of patience, but there's also something to be said if you hire the right people to have that flexibility of them being able to leave and pick their kid up from school, or uh, as I say sometimes, attend to a barking coworker uh, and let them out. Exactly. Uh, so. It, so, I, I personally have like, I've been working from home since 2012. So uh, on that note of picking the right people, uh, you mentioned that you do disc profiles um, and you've actually helped clients uh, interview people for, you know, physicians. Uh, do you use disc when you hire people or do you use it after they've been hired to, to see how they fit with the team? Disc is a, more around communication. So the only time that I would maybe use DISC during the hiring process is if I'm bringing on a salesperson. Um, a DISC, a profile could be a pretty good indicator of whether they're a right fit for a certain role. For example, if you're bringing on a salesperson that's expected to do a lot of business development and cold calling, um, and that's not really in their wheelhouse naturally, they're going to hate their job. They'll be miserable and They'll, they might work, they might not, but if someone's not happy with what they're doing, then most likely they're not going to last. It's a stopgap until they find a better position. Most of the time, DISC is there for the leaders and the managers to help understand their people better, knowing that you know, a DISC isn't a personality um, test. It doesn't say whether or not you're going to be successful. It's not a good indicator at all in terms of your success in a certain role. What it helps with is communication. It helps with your, uh, whoever your direct reports are. If you have a certain management style, you could adapt your management style to meet that person and help them achieve a much higher target when you approach them the way that they're likely to receive the data better. Um, it's kind of like bonuses. Not everyone's bonus. You know, I have kind of this inherent um, angst against having this structured bonus, you know, for everyone in the team, not everyone's motivated by the dollar. Some people, you throw them a day off or a pair of sports tickets, or if they've had a baby, you know, give them time to go spend with their wife and hire a babysitter. I think that, you know, the way that you motivate people is based on what motivates them directly. You know, I've had employees who are very altruistic and they want to devote time to charity. And the best thing you could do sometimes is maybe do a charity event um, for the company and let them run it. You know, there's a lot of things that you could do, which are really based on the individual person. And when you understand those motivators and that style that they have, it allows you to tailor to meet the way that they're going to be the most receptive. And you find those people will work the hardest for the company. They'll be the best team players and they'll appreciate the job that much more. So that's an excellent point. Um, and it kind of loops back to culture. Uh, when I think about how would I know, you know, when I'm 
back when I had my IT company? How would I know that somebody would be interested in actually running a charity event that we had organized or contributed to? For me, that was because uh, we had regular stand-up meetings, right? We, we had a Monday morning meeting for the whole company, and then we had meetings for each department. Um, and it didn't take up a ton of time, but it was where you asked people, what'd you do over the weekend? And you found out that they were involved in a charity and so forth. How do we do that in a remote environment? There's a phrase that we use called keeping the circles connected. Um, when you're managing a team, and this is kind of, a lot of times I work with a company and they'll have a, a service manager that has you know, 15 people reporting to them. And my first question is, how are they possibly managing 15 people and giving them the most valuable resource that they have is their time and their effort. So the team meetings are really there for a number of different reasons. You know, if you have a service meeting once a week, you're there to solve problems, you're there to set um, your know, priorities for the week. You might have a daily huddle every morning, but it does not take the place of one-to-one -one meetings. And the one-to-ones at a minimum quarterly, but what you're gonna find is every person has a different cadence, which they respond to. You might have someone that if you meet with them every quarter, that's perfect. You might find people you need to meet with them every week. Um, if you have a new employee, I'd suggest meeting them every, you know, start every day and then every week and then every month and then build to some kind of a quarterly cadence. But whatever that is, the cadence should be enough that you keep if you picture you're a circle, the other person's a circle, you keep them intertwined, but not overlapping. So you keep it to a point where you're not micromanaging, but you're talking to them enough that you have an open level of communication. And during those meetings, it's really kind of this 80-20 rule. You're talking 20% of the time and letting them talk 80%. Ask questions, find out, you know, are you getting what you need out of the company? Is there training that you're missing? what do you really like to do? What do you not like to do? You know, what'd you do over the weekend? You get to know them a little bit, you know, that combined with whether it's DISC or Colby or any one of these other assessments, you have to get to know your employees. Uh, and have you ever read, you know what the one characteristic that every leader has to have in order to be successful? What? You have to care about your people. Well, I, I believe that. That, 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 that. That's it. That That's, Leadership in a nutshell, if you don't care about your people, no matter what you do, you'll never be a good leader. Um, you care about them by getting to know them, by understanding that the job is not their life. They have a life and the job is there to support it. Do they like what they're doing? You know, what would they change? Making sure that they're heard. Um, and I'm not trying to get, you know, listen, there's also a job to do, but you find out during that too, that, hey, sometimes you'll have the wrong person. It might be a great person for the company, but maybe in the wrong seat, so to speak. You could find another role for them or worst case scenario, help them find another job that's a better fit for them, which is sometimes the best thing you could do. Well, and it's interesting because in small business, I think that we do a pretty good job of actually taking care of employees because they become our friends and there's only a handful of them and you know, so forth. Uh, you know, I've managed big teams at HP and, you know, it's hard to have, it's, it's, well, first of all, it's hard to manage more than seven or eight people personally. Right. Uh, and that's my experience, but um, it's really hard to get close to that many people. You just can't. And so um, it, it's easier for us in small business to build a good team than 
it is for larger businesses, but we have to try. You know, it doesn't happen by itself. So, um, so when you engage a new coaching client, do you have them all uh, do a personality profile of some kind? Um, highly recommend it, but, but yes. Um, I usually recommend at least start with the leadership team, which could be two people, it could be five, it could be eight. Um, but yeah, it's something I recommend because communication is so key. And if you haven't read it yet, and if anyone listening to the podcast hasn't read it, uh, pick up The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. And you'll find that everything starts with, we do a lot of team building exercises. And I recommend that every company do it at least once a year. Um, and some of them are as simple as sharing a personal history, something that someone doesn't know about you to, you know, there's a reason why you do some of these activities that don't always have this you know, direct correlation to a business result. And it's because you're trying to build trust among your team. And what it comes out to is that trust is kind of the foundation that if you look at Lencioni, trust leads to conflict and conflict is healthy. You want people to be able to disagree and feel comfortable that they could disagree without their jobs being in jeopardy. And then conflict leads to results, which leads to everything. It results in positive outcomes for your company. Um, and in the five dysfunctions of a team, it, all starts with the lack of trust is why you don't get results in the company. If I can't trust that I can give a service manager a task that he's responsible for keeping his team 75% utilized and leave it. And if I can't trust that and just manage to the metrics and let him do his job or her do her job, then I'm not going to see the results I need if I have to start to micromanage that role. Um, and so the first thing I have everyone look at and I will tell you know, everyone I meet, when you have to fire someone, there's probably a 75% chance that it was your fault to begin with. <laughs> um, listen, I've, I've made, well, I mean, we, we all make our share of mistakes over the years. Uh, hopefully you don't make them twice, but I've made many several. And part of that is you're either hiring the wrong person or you didn't give them the tools they needed to be successful. You didn't give them your time you didn't give them the resources and the training. You didn't give them the numbers that they're held to a standard. You know, it's like getting mad at someone for not doing their job, but they don't really know what their job was. And I think when we do better, there's a reason why certain companies, there's a company in, um, I believe they're in Portland, Maine called Green Pages. I want to say they're probably 150, 200 employees. And that's not exactly a primary market. So we hear people that are in greater Boston with five people and they can't find employees. But yet you have someone in Portland, Maine that's hiring 200 of them. Right. Um, it, there's an excuse why you're not finding people. And there is a reason why people stay. And there's a reason how you bring someone in or why you would bring someone in and spend time to develop them. So it's just such a critical part of your business. You can't run a successful company without good people. You know, I'd argue that's the most important thing. You mentioned that uh, not everybody's motivated by money. I think salespeople with luck, your salespeople are motivated by money, but everybody else, I mean, it might be that the, what they want is game night, you know, with your really fast computers. <laughs> Job satisfaction is the number one reason people leave a company. Right. So, so that gets to the environment we're in, you know, this is being recorded July, 2021. Uh, I've heard people complain about not being able to find technicians. I want to say for 15 years now, <laughs> uh, 
is it the case that that uh, you can still find good technicians at a reasonable price if you uh, if you have the right kind of company, or is it just is it really dried up at this point? Um, it's a hard question to answer because I think that depends on where you are in the country. Um, for example, if you're in New York City, yeah, I know people that struggle to find help desk people because they're making ninety grand on Wall Street doing the exact same job, and you can't possibly charge your customers enough to offset that salary. Uh, but then again, I, you know, that's not always the case. That's a pretty high stress environment as well. So like I said, a lot of it's job satisfaction. It's making sure that you hire for culture. Uh, but the most successful companies that I've seen who are growing, who are finding staff, they're not having as much luck necessarily finding senior staff, but they put a lot of effort into a training program to hire people with potential. And they don't want to see themselves as just a training organization. However, they do want to find people who are very capable of doing the job and spending the time with those people to develop them and train them to where they need to be, where they become great employees. So I know some of the companies that are growing very rapidly, it's exactly what they've shifted to is we're going to train the right people instead of trying to hire someone who already knows it. Well, I have had tremendous luck in hiring people who have less experience, but amazing attitude. Uh, if they've got aptitude and attitude, I can train them in whatever technology comes down the street in the next 24 hours. The can but, do, will do, right? Can they do exactly, the job and will they do the job? Exactly. And, uh, you know, so uh, it, the other thing about hiring younger people is that there's a variety of backgrounds and experiences and, you know, you don't get the same you know, exact uh, outlook on the world. You know, uh, somebody was saying just the other day on one of the calls I was on that if you always ask for 15 years experience in something, you're going to have to only pull from the pool of people who were hired 15 years ago to do that thing. And that may not be the demographic that you want on your staff today. <laughs> so, you know, uh, Mixing it up with younger people is always helpful, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and there and there are some great senior resources who have been doing it for a long time that just haven't found the right culture fit. And when you find people, you know, to me, culture is not something you create. Culture is something that's a result of having people that share the same values. So I drive culture as a result. In fact, I don't even look at culture. I think sometimes you get really shallow when people say, hey, here's our five core values. Well, that's it. Because there's probably like 40 behaviors that they should be looking at. And I'm much more in tune with what does the person have to act like? What are some of the values they have? How do they behave? Um, even if you're a little bit aspirational, what do we want to be as an organization? Who do you want to surround yourself with? Um, when you get a team of people, regardless of age, that share a lot of those same behaviors and drive you find the culture comes from that and they end up working, essentially they work with their friends and you find why people don't want to leave a company. It's because they're surrounded by their friends. They love what they're doing. They, they get along with their coworkers. Um, it's job satisfaction, you know, right. and, and that there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, so we only have a couple of minutes left. So uh, is there anything else about connect strat that we should know? Um, in short, ConnectStrat, uh, we've, like I mentioned, we've been there, we've done that, we've got the socks. I want to change that <laughs> phrase now that everyone's giving out socks. Um, 
you know, we're, we consider ourselves coaches and not consultants. And the biggest difference is that a consultant is coming into your company to basically bill you for work that they're going to do for you. And the motivation for a consultant is to work themselves into a job in your company. Um, the motivation for a coach is to train you how to do it, then get the heck out of your way and let you execute. So the way that we've structured is just, we call it the four pillars. Um, there's impact, which is the why. Why you do what you do. What is your exit plan? There's strategy, there's execution, and there's a people component associated with that as well. And by really structuring the platform properly, we can give you a formula to grow, regardless of what business that you're in, though we do focus on the IT service provider space. Very cool. Well, um, Brett Jaffe from Connect Strat, thank you for being with us today. And we will send people to your website that's in the links down below. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Carl. Happy fourth. Same to you. <laughs> May the fourth be with you, right? Fourth be with you. <laughs> Except that's May the fourth. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.